Hello and welcome to our Africa Travel Week Connect Unlock Africa podcast, where we bring the news, views, tips and tricks from tourism experts and personalities, sometimes simply sharing a window on their world and Africa's tourism sector. It's September and that means the spotlight is on tourism. The world is celebrating Tourism Month and we're taking the opportunity to look at trends both within Africa and internationally. We're thrilled that you're joining us for this weekly series where each week we have a catch up with an expert in various tourism sectors, from responsible tourism to events and hospitality. Joining me today, I have Megan Oberholzer, RX Africa's Portfolio Director for Travel, Tourism and Creative Industries. Megan and her team are the powerhouses behind the annual Africa Travel Week, and she speaks to us about how events tourism is evolving, what it takes to run the show, and how Connection 365 is the future. Many of us would be surprised to hear how Africa Travel Week has evolved in the past 18 months, and I'd love you to share how you've gone from hosting this live event over three days to taking a whole 365 approach. Tell us a little bit about it. I think what's happened next is where we operated in a world where we could look at consistent travel trends and contracting seasons um, with the shift of COVID and the rapid rate of information that keeps changing, we've had to adapt to that. Africa Travel Week has always been a platform where we would connect people and write business um, and also look at content sessions to look at those travel trends. So we've had to shift our, our entire mindset to go from a live three-day event into three, six, five information. So it's constantly engaging with the industry, um, getting their feedback, looking at what's happening globally and updating them on that. So we're now looking at on-demand information. And I think we've all become so used to working remotely that the access to people, whether they be in South Africa or in the US or um, the United Kingdom has become more important now than it's ever been. So that's where we've had to innovate and create things like Africa Travel We Connect, which is an online hub. And we've got the likes of Armchair Travel, where you can sit in your own home and go and review properties, um, see new launches, product information, and what they're doing. Um, we've got on-demand webinars, uh, the new launch of our podcasts, which is what we're enjoying right now. And it's just really being flexible and listening to what the industry needs. But it's more than just an, uh, providing an online experience or connecting with people online. It, it, is, it is not a replacement for live events, essentially. And, and I'd like you to talk a little bit about that because we think, a lot of us think that business as usual, is going to be online, essentially. And that's really, I feel, not the case. You know, is there an argument for live events? Do you think live events have had their day? How do you see them coming back? So something that we, I think, have all realized in this virtual world is that being remote and not interacting with individuals on a face-to-face -face business is not normal. Isolation has highlighted the need for human face-to-face -face interaction more than ever. And, you know, we, we constantly conduct these sentiment research studies. And when we engaged with, with buyers in the industry, an overwhelming response of 88% of our audience came back and said, as soon as they can come back to live events, they will 100% be there. 
that 12% is where we're seeing people saying they're not with traveling because they actually aren't sure if they will be able to travel. So it's going to be a bit of a slow recovery for um, those red list countries. I mean, we've seen it with Australia and New Zealand, their borders are completely shut. So we are looking at how do we make our exhibitors comfortable for those that attend. Um, and again, listening to the industry. So while virtual will always be there to complement live events, live events are not dead when we are looking at the constant feedback that we are receiving. And how do you decide in a, a hybrid environment what portion or what ratio of an event is going to be hybrid versus live? Presumably there are some components of an event that are better online and there are other components that are better live, I would guess. Absolutely. And I mean, we've learned so much in this digital world and it's always been a part of our strategy, but COVID's really catapulted that um, entire digital element that we were going to incorporate over the next um, 24 months. So when we go back to how do we actually determine the ratio of libraries virtual. It again talks back to what's actually happening in the world. So we will always have that live element, but when we're looking at the virtual elements, it has to be beyond the three days. And the amount of, of time and um, you know hours that are spent on virtual will again be in response to accessibility, borders opening, um, and the ability to travel with the likes of covid passports uh, that's really a hot topic right now um, do we allow unvaccinated people into events um, which is really difficult because it's a completely personal choice so it's PCR tests and um, you know rapid antigen tests so it all works in ratios and again it's just it's adapting and 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 looking at that change wow that's going to be a minefield Megan <laughs> you, you're <laughs> <I'll> new way <laughs> We're going to be running around. Oh, goodness. And I think that's it. You know, events are something that are so well planned and, 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 and take so many hours, as you've said, to plan. And, of course, I understand there are always last minute things that happen. People don't, um, speakers don't arrive or you have to change your floor plan at the last minute. I know I know that that, that always happens with an event. But the level of flexibility that is required now is so much higher than it was before. How do you prepare your team to deal with those last minute whiz bang things that come across your plate um, that you have absolutely no control over? You, you really cannot control everything. Look, I think working in events, as you say, um, there's always those last minute changes and challenges. So we've always had to operate within a flexible environment and adapt. And it's thinking on your feet um, and collaborating as a team. So what it is now is always looking at plan A, plan B, plan C, um, and doing scenario playing. So we prepare for any eventuality at this point in time. Are we going to go with 100% live event? If we can't get in enough buyers and internationals and they don't feel comfortable or close borders, then we look at hybrid event. If we cannot open up um, in such a way that will be beneficial for our entire audience, then do we look at 100% virtual? 
So when we're planning, we are planning three different events. Um, and I think it's it's really testament to my team and the um, hours and dedication that they put in. It's it's just phenomenal. So where we were planning one event in one scenario, we're now planning three and adapting it based on, again, what's happening in the world. Wow. So when things do go back to normal and you only have to plan one event, you guys are going to be coasting pretty much. Um, <laughs> I'd love to say that. Um, but again, it's never going to be just one event. Our approach will always be 365. And it's actually something that the team has really started to enjoy because we're not just looking at three days. It's now something that we can enjoy throughout the year. And we've always said that when we do a live event, it extends beyond those three days. And that's been our ultimate goal. You go in, you connect with people, you write business, um, and that those business deals can take anywhere between a few weeks to six months, a year, and even longer. So extending beyond those three days is just extending into our team and what we can offer the market. Yeah, I, I really do love the piece around that uh, 365 engagement and the idea that events actually build communities, communities that ex- extend beyond an actual event. So by creating ATW Connect, what you have done is created a community or a tribe of ATW people who come together and engage with each other and talk everything, tourism and travel across Africa, from LGBTQ plus travel to responsible tourism, to events, to technology. It doesn't matter where you fit, what subsector you fit within tourism. But our shared vision, our shared goal is to expand tourism to Africa and to connect um, African role players with international role players. And I think ATW Connect does that so incredibly beautifully. So so well done, Megan, to your team for getting that up and running and, and uh, cooking away. I'm curious, though, we, we don't know enough about Megan. So let's dive into that, shall we? I know that you had a life before you were in the events industry. So tell us a little bit about the journey that brought you into tourism and then eventually into events. Well, Nats, I think um, travel and tourism has always been a passion of mine. Um, and when I actually went to university, I started off doing my marketing degree and extended into communications. And then I did tourism as one subject and I actually picked it up as a third major. So it was more out of my passion for travel and tourism that I I studied that. And then from there, um, I actually did a postgraduate in interior design, which I think is what would appear the the opposite, but that really aligned with events. So reading floor plans, um, looking at how you design features and that sort of thing. So whilst at that stage of my life, I had no clue that it would all come together and culminate in what I'm currently doing now. 
and actually did. Um, and then after I finished my four years of studying, I went abroad and took my gap year. I worked in a bakery of all places um, in North Lake Tahoe, which is a ski town in California. And I fell more and more in love with tourism and the network of people. And I, I believe that if you work in travel, you are hooked for life. And it's largely due to the community. Um, it's the connections. And it's just the vast array of cultures that you um, meet on a daily basis. And those events are all about connecting people. And that's where my passion really lies. And beyond that, I, I just, I travel, um, well, <laughs> I just to travel kind of <laughs> do annual trips um, and, you know, visiting our international and global events. It's, it's really inspirational um, and working alongside a team is again with people. So for me, it's, it's exploratory, it's connecting people. And yeah, it's, it's I'm very blessed that I, I work in an industry that incorporates all things that I love. So it's, it's my passion. Um, and my team have the, the same passion and I really I'm grateful to to fulfill my, my dream on a daily basis. Mm, I was actually going to ask you what your life's passion is, but I think you've uh, very elegantly told us about that connection and, and how you are able to, through your role and through your team, deliver that connection and that engagement uh, with a wider community. But perhaps, I mean, beyond the fact that you studied interior design, which is something I didn't know about you, tell us something about you that people who know you well might be surprised to hear about you. Oh, goodness, that's, um, I'm quite an open book. <laughs> Everyone says that. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it really would be the one thing that comes up is what I shared with you now is that I, I was a cookie shop girl um, in the U.S. Uh, making cookies and, um, you know, enjoying a, a completely different world. But, yeah, I can't really think of anything else beyond that. It is very interesting, though, that you landed up there specifically. How how did you get there? You know, how it's not the kind of thing you wake up one morning in Johannesburg and decide, that's it, I'm heading off to bake biscuits in, you know, the U.S. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I finished school, my dad, I think, knows me exceptionally well. And I said, oh, I want to go and do a gap year. And he said to me, first finish your degree because you're the kind of person that will get hooked on travel and never study. Um, so thank goodness he did that because it's 100% right. And then I have uh, one of my really good friends. I mean, we've been friends, I think, for 18 years now. She did a, uh, one of those holiday stints um, for one ski season while she was in university. And she came to me and she said, it was amazing, um, but, you know, a, a month isn't enough. Let's go and do a full ski season and we can travel throughout the US, are you in? And I jumped at that opportunity. So it was really through her. And I must be honest, I have no idea how she found that, that 
little space and spot, but I'm really glad wow, she that's did. That's a wonderful story. You mentioned your dad. Um, and I'd love to know who's been influential in your life and, and lifted you up. I anticipate that your dad would be front and center there, but is there anyone else that's been influential and given you a hand up? Um, I'm really a, a family person. Um, so it would be my mom, my dad, and um, my sister. And I, I just, I'm really blessed with that support structure. And I, I can't single out my dad. Um, my mom and my sister have been incredible. My sister uh, moved across, uh, you know, to the UK when she was young. She's an occupational therapist and she really showed me that you can do anything if you want to put your mind to it. So it, it all goes back to my family. And then looking within the workplace, it would definitely be my mentor, Carol. And she just adapts and she sees the bigger picture and she's taught me so much. And she's also pushed me um, to extend myself. And I'm really really grateful that I've got a mentor like that. What do your uh, family think about your your day job? That's, I'm not sure they always understand it. <laughs> um, you know, we, we try and explain to them that we sit and we look after these thousands of people that walk through your doors. But they're really proud of me and they tell me on a regular basis. Um, my fiancé, I think, is he's really jumped into this world. And when we first met, he came to an Africa travel week and he said to me, I had no clue what she did until I walked onto that show floor. So it was great that they could actually come in and see that. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think that they see me as a, a bit of an anomaly because it's such a different world. Um, but they've, they're growing to understand that it's not just about those three days, um, particularly over COVID. They've seen that it's it's a lot more and it's been great to have their support. And if you could have a do-over, do something else other than working in the event space or in the tourism industry? No, so I wouldn't have it any other way, to be honest. Um, as I say, it's my complete passion and it just drives me. There are very few people that can say that they wake up on a daily basis and they love what they do. I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, although I'll, I'll be very honest, during COVID, there have been times where I thought I could just go and sit on a beach somewhere <laughs> and um, take a break because it's it, it's been a challenge. And I think we all have our days where it's tough and it, it's been really tough over the past 18 months. Um, so yes, absolutely. I've had those days where I wanted to go back to, to the bakery and be a cookie shop girl. Um, <laughs> but I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. Um, and I'm really proud of the team and what we've managed to achieve over these past 18 months. Yeah, and you know, delivering, uh, for many, delivering a lifeline because connection has been such an important thing for all of us. And I know that it's not live connection. It's not face-to-face -face connection. But building a community and knowing that there is a community that has your back makes makes those unbearable days a little bit more bearable. It doesn't resolve the problem, but what it does do is it is allow us an opportunity to connect with each other um, on an ongoing basis and, and know that there are people that have our back. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, um, 
doing Africa Travel Week virtual in April this year really showed us that. And it was incredible to, to see the meetings taking place between a thousand people um, over those three days and get the feedback that they've been able to connect and, and look at contacting business um, and find out about new products and that. And that for myself and my team was probably one of the most rewarding things we've done just to see that in an industry that's been brought to a standstill, we could still connect them um, and their the business um, for, for now, for the future, and facilitate any meetings, um, no matter where they were in the world. Let's bring it back to Africa. And we always look to the rest of the world for lessons that we can borrow and apply in Africa. I'm curious, do you have a view on the lessons that other parts of the world can learn from Africa's event tourism industry? Lessons that perhaps your international colleagues have learned from your team here in Africa? Um, yeah, I mean, working for a, a global company and being a part of flagship events like World Travel Market London, um, IELTS in Cannes, you know, those were the big ones that really kicked off IBTM World. There, there are our big, um, big flags. So the one thing that the event director for London um, said to me in one of our meetings is you guys just change at such a rapid rate and you're really fast. <laughs> so I think Looking um, at W Team Africa, IL Team Africa, um, IB Team Africa, the one thing that um, our international colleagues have seen is that Africa is robust, we're resilient. Um, we have the ability, I think, to change a lot quicker than our international colleagues have been able to do. And it's just in our DNA. Um, it's the world in which we live in. And we're always great at making a plan B. So that, that was quite a big compliment. Um, that That's we, amazing. Turning we <laughs> over, uh, well, no matter what it is. Um, but in the same breath, we learn from them. So it's incredible to be a part of this greater community. Um, you know, it's that consistent sharing of information and learning from each of the other events. And I think we're really fortunate that we're able to do mm. that. Yeah, best practice across the board. My last question for you, Megan, and that is your role in the tourism industry in Africa. How do you see it evolving in the short to medium term? No, so I think it's going to be about that 365 um, connection once again. So where we've had those three days, we're now looking at Africa being connected throughout the year. And that adaptability is really a consistent theme throughout our conversation. It's, it's what we keep circling back to. Um, and it's looking at connecting people also in different locations. So where we historically said um, we would network in, in our host city of Cape Town, we're now looking at doing networking events at our flagships. So, you know, reaching out to WTM London, um, where the rest of Africa actually joined, doing a networking event there, because we're not able to necessarily get everybody to um, South Africa, but we can network with them at, at our other events. And we're, we're really lucky that no matter where these events are, we still attract 
the African market. Well, Megan, we have many months to go, but I know those go by very quickly until we hit uh, Africa Travel Week from the 11th to the 13th of April. I know that you are as excited as I am to be able to reconnect with colleagues. Um, so good luck to your team as they embark on the preparations. I know it's not something that you do um, a month out. You're already working on the next show, your plan A, your plan B, and your plan C, 0.120, I'm sure. And um, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, just to, to end off, I'd like to thank each of my team members because um, it, it takes a complete tribe to do what we do. And I would just like to recognize each of them and the incredible role that they play in connecting the industry. And we as a collective team cannot wait to, to meet everybody in person once again. And we are lucky to have them. Thanks so much. And there you have it, Megan Oberholzer, RX Africa's Dynamic Portfolio Director for Travel, Tourism and Creative Industry, who is living her life's passion to connect people 365 through Africa Travel Week. Thank you for sharing a window on your world and Africa's tourism sector.